electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. Buffett's big bank buying, why the Oracle of Omaha is loading up on shares of BAC, and whether it's the truest sign yet that the bank trade is about to break out. We'll discuss and debate that with our investment committee today. Joining me for the hour, Joe Terranova, Steve Weiss, Surat Saiti, Brenda Vangelo is back with us. She's the CIO of Sandhill Global Advisors. Let's begin with the markets. As Carl said, they are higher. And that revelation that Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway has bought Bank of America shares for 12 straight days. Surat, you own it. What do you make of this move? Uh, I do own it. I mean, Scott, the stock's still down 27% uh, for the year. We like it. We like it for its diversified uh, businesses. I think it's the right place to do, but I've been wrong for the last you know, year owning this stock. But I think going forward, as we get closer to, I think, you know, a, a normal market, whatever that's going to be, uh, Bank of America's in a great place. So is J.P. Morgan. So are some of these banks that have the ability to have a huge, large customer base, have wealth management, M&A. They have, you know, uh, a lot of businesses and are trading when you look at the market at a very cheap value yeah the catalysts are not there yet and 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 i could you know uh, see that but i think he's doing the right thing accumulating it now so that if and when the stock price does move up he's got a good position in it yeah joe 12 straight days right for buffett stocks up eight percent uh, in that time frame, maybe giving it a little bit of a jump start. $337 million that they've spent. They now own almost 12% of the outstanding. Is this a good move? And should investors follow the Oracle into BAC and maybe the banks more broadly? Well, I mean, Scott, he could buy it for another 12 days. He can't really fix the headwinds that are challenging the money center banks. You know that I'm in J.P. Morgan. That's the one bank that I think is the best in breed. As it relates to Bank of America, the reasoning behind why I am not in that is just the significant consumer exposure that it has and the absence of trading revenue that you will find in some of the other uh, financials like a Morgan Stanley, a Goldman Sachs, and even J.P. Morgan, which reported a strong quarter. So, no, I wouldn't suggest if you're going to be picking one of the money center banks that I would buy Bank of America. If you're, you know, buying Bank of America right here, you might as well just go buy Wells Fargo because I think you'll probably have more upside return uh, if there is an environment where the banks uh, all boats seem to rise. So, I think you st- have to stay best in breed which takes me to J.P. Morgan. And if we're going to the thesis that all banks are going to rise, well, then you go Wells Fargo. Wow. Okay. Steve Weiss, Joe says Buffett's making the wrong move. What what do you say? I don't think Steve can hear me. Brenda, um, you know, if you look at the financials, yep, Joe painted a picture of why they haven't worked. Um, You know, it's no mystery, but is now the time to get in like Warren Buffett is doing, even if it's a little bit early? 
I think it really depends on your time horizon. You know, Warren Buffett is known for being incredibly patient and for sitting on trades that might not work for a while. Um, so I think if, if that's how you're feeling, then it might not be a bad time to start nibbling. But I don't think we're really going to see any real traction in this group until we start to see more of an economic recovery scenario playing out that involves interest rates moving higher. You know, we kind of got a couple of weeks ago a little bit of a, a, a reality check when we saw how much the, many of these banks had started building their reserves. So they definitely are exposed in many ways to the economy and to the consumer in some ways. Um, we own JP Morgan, that is also our only holding um, in this space. So we haven't completely abandoned the group, uh, but just think that we are not yet prepared to start adding more exposure here, given what we think is gonna potentially be a, a longer term time horizon uh, before we really see a recovery. So Joe, you're, you're gonna get a vaccine, right? You, you agree with that? Right, you're optimistic about that, right? You're optimistic about that. I think you're going to get right? multiple. Okay. Yes, multiple vaccines. Okay. So economic data today, decent. You think we're going to get a, a decent snapback in the economy as you get into 2021? So I, I heard the conversation that you had yesterday with Josh and John, and I know John used the words rage, and and uh, Josh seemed to feel as though. Uh, it'll be the moment where we'll, we'll just feel this euphoria in, in the capital markets. I still believe, Scott, that the areas of stress and strain as it relates to airlines and travel and entertainment and brick-and-mortar retail and even some of the financial institutions, you're better served, as Mark Lazary has discussed with you, in the credit market, not in the equity market. So you're telling me in that environment where we have a euphoric lifting uh, in, in the equities market that I'm not going to be okay continuing to own Microsoft and Apple and Home Depot and Nike uh, and DocuSign and names like that. I believe that I will be. I'm still not willing on the equity side to step out and buy the components of the COVID-19 stress and strain industries that have been so challenged throughout this pandemic. Weiss, I think we got you back. What do you make of this Buffett move, right? It's not one day, not three days, not eight days, 12 straight days they've been adding shares of Bank of America. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I could probably buy it all for him in one day. But away from that, if I were to buy a money center bank, it would be Bank America. I do think they're a best in breed. I don't think Moynihan gets enough credit for the job that he's done. He's not a, as visible. He doesn't do all the conferences that Jamie Dimon does. But look at the execution. It's been nearly flawless, despite being tagged, if you go back to the issues that the government put him into, with Merrill, et cetera, in the housing crisis. So I'd buy that. However, I agree with Joe. The headwinds are much too great here. The Fed's out there saying that we're going to, you know, adjust our inflation target. So you're going to see low rates for a very, very long time. And that's a headwind I don't think you overcome. So there's a new valuation normal for bank stocks, and I think you're at it right now. So I'm not there. Wow. Can't get anybody to get excited about this at all. Boy, have, have times changed, Surratt. I told you that Buffett endorsed your, your ownership of Bank of America. He's been buying it for 12 straight days, and you, you know, uh, I guess so. Uh, no one seems to be excited about it. No one likes the financials. No, look, I... Scott, no. Scott, I like it when they don't like the financials, okay? Let, let them not like the financials. I think there's value here, and I think when the value comes back, you're going to see a lot of money rotate. And yet, you know, Joe had some great stocks in there, but 
I like Bank of America and J.P. Morgan. I don't like Wells Fargo. I think the management team, as, as White said, are the ones you want to buy. And these are the companies and the big money center banks that you want to do. And they're diversified businesses. They're not just about interest rates and credit. They're about M&A. They're about asset management. They are about trading. They're about a lot of other things. And you're getting paid to own these stocks at these values. And, and, you know, they might be dead money for a while, but you're getting a dividend along the way. And it's part of a diversified portfolio. You're not saying buy all, you put all your money into these. But when money does move into these stocks, you want to be there. And then you don't want it to be $30, $35 and say, okay, now I want to get in there. I'm not naive. I, I mean, think you've seen most of the downside. I'm not, Joe, I'm not naive right. to, the, to the issues facing the banks whatsoever. I, I get it, right? Rate, rates, we're, we're talking Certainly. about a 10-year with, you know, 50-some-odd basis points. I, I totally get it. Economic recovery is uneven at best. Some data is good, some data is horrible. We'll see what happens on Friday with the jobs number. You said BAC is a consumer-facing name. I, I, I totally get it. But Buffett's play clearly seems to be, I'd rather be too early uh, than too late for somebody who looks when there's blood in the street to take advantage of opportunities, not saying there is now, but maybe it's the same sort of thing. He's willing to take a bigger bet for the longer picture in some names that may have some significant upside He's already the largest shareholder, and you know, and Apple's got the biggest slice of that. So if he's looking for his own sort of barbell approach to where things may go from here, why not this move? So if I was sitting with Warren Buffett and he was to identify the reasons behind his purchase of Bank of America, I really could say to Warren, well, you could find the same reasons to buy Wells Fargo. And I think I said that before. I truly believe that if Bank of America is going to begin uh, to, to see some significant appreciation, well, you're going to get even more out of Wells Fargo. It's a mirror image of Bank of America no. with actually a management well, team. Wells, Wells a has management had fleas, team though. To Wells has had fleas, though. What, what, how, how are they the same? Has had. Has. Wells has, has had fleas, correct. Bank of America, there is already a premium that is built in because of Brian Moynihan and the management team, clearly. I think Charlie Scharf and his management team is an excellent management team, and I don't think that investors have properly priced in a premium for that management team. So if I compare the two, Bank of America and Wells Fargo, clearly you are correct. Wells Fargo has had way more fleas and every other type of insect that can bother you. But looking forward, if we are going to get this appreciation from money center banks that are not, as I would define them, qualitative, best in breed, J.P. Morgan-like, well, I'm going to get more upside out of Wells Fargo, and I would tell Warren Buffett he'd be better off putting more money in Wells Fargo than Bank of America. Are you trying to out-oracle the oracle? Okay. Good luck to you on that. Brenda? Scott, can, can I? No, go ahead, Steve Weiss. I'm sorry. Then Brenda. Yeah, I, I just want to throw in one thing there. Uh, yesterday, the Fed came out with their uh, loan officer survey, and it showed that credit quality standards are tightening at the bank, and that loan demand is down. So forgetting about interest rates for, for now, think about it. You're giving money away for free, yet the banks are very worried about the credit quality. They raise their reserves. And on the other hand, people just aren't borrowing enough because consumer appetites and corporate appetites, because yeah. demand is down hey, on Weiss, both. Hold your thought. I apologize. I, I, forgive me for interrupting you. I know we've been waiting for Rackspace to open. Yeah. It has. Can we go take a look at that, how it's trading right now? Uh, from best I can tell, it's down, at least what I'm told. There, there, there it is. It's down um, 20% uh, is what we'll call it for uh, RXT as it begins, begins trading 
uh, that, so that IPO is open. I just wanted to make sure we were on top of, of what was happening um, right there. Steve, forgive me for interrupting you. Go ahead. No problem. So what I'm saying is that the fundamentals away from interest rates, away, away from the, the yield curve, are negative as well. And as the uh, pandemic continues, businesses shut, banks are going to have a tough time making money and not padding their reserves. So you want to be in the other end of it when they draw down the reserves into earnings. That's going to be the big boost to their earnings, but I don't want to be there just now. There are other places to make money. I think Buffett bought it as a, as a cash proxy. You get a great yield, and they're relatively safe. Yeah, well, he's bought a lot of it. He's bought a lot of it. I mean, I could see Theo of a different time. I mean, people like to throw stones these days, and there are plenty of people who've been doing that on, on Twitter over the last, you know, couple of months or few months or whatever. Just because, you know, the airline bet went bad, it's all of a sudden like the guy's lost his touch. Clearly, he sees something in the, in the banks. Joe? I, I don't think I don't think he's lost his touch at all. I mean, as example, look what he has done with his uh, positioning in Apple. He hasn't lost his touch. We're talking about financials, and to kind of add to what Stephen's saying, why now? Why now? Why trade down in quality now when on the other side of the election we could be facing a regulatory environment that will be much tighter, much more stringent for financial institutions? I'd rather face that reality and position accordingly after the election. Let's, you guys mentioned his position in, in Apple, right? Um, and, and it's a big one. And we're watching that stock push on $2 trillion in market cap. So let's talk about that because it gets a rare downgrade today, which doesn't happen very often, right? Bank of America today downgrades. They say the risk and risk reward is more balanced. The whole world owns it, including everybody on the desk today. Steve, in fact, you bought more. I did, and, and this is just uh, an idiotic trade for the very reason I'm going to tell you. Look, economically, whether you own one share of a $500 stock or 10 shares of $50 stock, it means the same thing. Your return will be the same. However, as I talk to people that aren't in the business, they and I say, do you own Apple, do you own Amazon? And they say, I can't, they're too expensive. The stock price is too high. And you go through the math, they still don't get it. When Apple splits, my belief, and it's a little early right now, but when they split the end of the month, I think you'll see a whole new wave of buying from people that haven't been in the stock. Why? Because it'll be a $100 ticket, which is still high, versus a $450 ticket. So it's a trading position. I got into it early. There's no reason to sell the stock whatsoever, in my view. The downgrade from B of A, yeah, they're all solid points, but they've been points you could make for years at this point. And right now, there's free pass until they launch the 5G phone, which I still say will be the biggest product launch in their history. Apple's a trading position for you? No, no, no. I've got my core position, which I've had for a long time. I bought some more oh, I see. as a trading position I, I over and above the core. I thought you were calling the, the whole thing now a, a trading position. Right. I just no, want to make sure, sure where we at. We're not getting me there, Scott. No. Look, you've you've already been run over by this thing so many times, Steve. I don't need to go there and make you even more roadkill than this stock has left you in the past. I've been run over while I've been a passenger. How do you get run over when you're sitting in the car that's going to the top of the mountain? Well, you keep yeah. trying to jump out when the thing's moving. Keep hating on it and just keeps going. One of these times you're going to fall on the floor. Yeah, well, well, there's the good me and the bad me. The good me is staying for the ride. All right. Um, 
again, by the way, the Nasdaq got within a whisker a little bit earlier of 11,000, uh, which was, uh, you know, just underscores this march that tech has made. It's backed off a little bit. So we're 20 points away from from Nasdaq um, 11,000. Brenda, what do you do with tech more broadly here? Well, we've actually been reducing some exposure here. We had, you know, had some good timing in terms of adding exposure when everything was for sale back in uh, the later uh, weeks of March. But we did recently reduce exposure. We had held a position in XLK, recognizing that 40% of XLK is in Apple and Microsoft, so very concentrated in those two positions. Uh, we sold that position last week, just recognizing that we've had a really nice move here. We're growing increasingly concerned just about um, the expectations going forward. So it's actually encouraging to see some downgrades of Apple because I think that's going to temper expectations somewhat. But following these amazing quarters we've seen, I think we just saw an environment where expectations are going to be ratcheted up going forward. And we're concerned that some of the the, the good fundamentals this year are really stealing from, from subsequent years. And especially in the case of Apple, I would say we can't forget this is a consumer company. Um, you know, there's been a lot of buying out of necessity, I think, for many families, especially buying an iPad for every kid in the family so they can do remote learning, uh, maybe buying a Mac. And, but then the question is, how much is left over in the budget for the new phone when it comes out, even if it's a 5G phone and it's something new? We're just doubtful, you know, whether or not it's going to be quite as big as everybody's expecting. We still continue to like Apple. We still have a position in Apple and in our individual stock portfolio, but just growing concerned. The expectations have gotten a little ahead of themselves here. I hear you, um, Joe. In terms of the Bank of America note, where they talk about risk and reward, obviously there are a lot of positives. Everybody gets it. Everybody knows that story. But are we ignoring the risks? That, that may be out there. Brenda mentions it's still a consumer name, okay? Um, are we ignoring too many of those? Ed Yardeni today points out when you talk about the FANGs collectively and you throw in Microsoft in that, the market cap is $7 trillion. $7 trillion. That's nearly 26% of the S&P. We've been talking over the last 24 hours how Apple's got this record weighting in the S&P, um, yeah. you know, for the last 40 years. But as a portfolio manager, as a trader, as an investor, or any steward of capital, how can you not be in Apple with a 6.5% share of the overall S&P as we continue to march higher and higher for the S&P? Um, I still think the story is about a world that is absent of growth. That's why bonds are acting as this significant hedge. You're seeing Treasuries price where they are. And in that environment, in the very isolated places that you could find growth, you have to pay a premium for that. And that's exactly what Apple is giving you in addition to the significant market share. So foolish on me uh, that I liquidated Amazon when I did. Really foolish on me if I were to liquidate Amazon and Apple. I just can't do that. Don't go with the self-loathing again. We, I can't deal with this, the self-loathing no, no, stuff no, there's again. No, no, I mean, there's one no. One day was no, enough. No, 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 no. Whoa, whoa. There's, there's, there's no self. There's no self-loathing on that. This is, this is the practical mannerism of mannering, managing a portfolio and understanding. Well, I, I had Amazon, Apple, and Microsoft. I got out of one of the three. I'm out of moves. I have to hold on to Apple and Microsoft as long as the world is challenged by the absence of growth, as long as a 10-year Treasury is pricing at 55 basis points, 
I need growth equities, which are bond proxies in this environment. So I have to stay with those Microsoft and Apple's positions because if I don't, Scott, and the S&P keeps moving higher, you know what I am? I'm actually short. Yeah. Surat, you have a small position in, in Apple, but what do you do? You, you have a you know, pretty balanced portfolio. What do, what do you do with big tech? Uh, it's a portfolio approach again, you know, just taking kind of what Brenda said, taking some of the profits for some of these that have run. You know, I disagree with Joe. I think, you know, if you're looking out a couple of years and you want to be in places where are going to be, there's going to be value, you just take money off some of the growths and it's okay to trim the Microsofts. It's okay to trim the Amazons. Uh, you know, we've trimmed PayPal and NVIDIA along the way too. It's just one of these things, having done this for over 20 years, you've seen when Exxon was four and a half, five percent of the S&P. You've seen these things when they get there. And when you're in the moment, it's euphoric and it's great because it's lacking growth elsewhere. But, you know, we're not going to be stagnant here. We're going to be moving with vaccines. We're going to be moving forward. And, and that's kind of where we're looking for the opportunities. We're going to be wrong for a while. Uh, but I'm okay with that because I do have some of the winners on the other side on a balanced approach. All right. Let's bring in our guest uh, for the day. It's Tony Dwyer. Uh, he, of course, the chief market strategist at Canaccord Genuity. Tony, welcome. I hope you're well. Welcome back. Hey, Judge. Doing great. Thanks. Good. Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Okay. So where do we go from here? We're about to push 11,000 on the NASDAQ. We keep talking about FANG and big tech every day because that's where the money is. That's where the money's been going. The question is, is there going to be a rotation away from some of that? Is it time to do that, to rebalance and to rotate or not? I, I really think there is, Judge. I'm really more, much more focused on the rotation than, than the absolute target level for the S&P 500. I, I think we're in an extraordinary situation where if you can look out into 2021, this was never supposed to be a capital V recovery. It, our, our view was it always go, was going to be, I, I kind of butchered it on fast money, but it, it, it was supposed to be the reverse of a square root symbol where you get this massive decline, you get this sharp advance, and then you kind of grind it out until you figure out a vaccine or another uh, antibody solution. We're in the process of that. But today I, I thought was a very important day. Back on May 24th, if you remember, Powell came on to 60 Minutes and talked about how we're just printing money. And when he was asked about that, they said, don't, he said, don't worry about that for the foreseeable future. Now, today, Clarita came on with an interview with, with Steve that I thought was extraordinary, almost as big a deal, because he talked about the structural changes since the last time they did this you know, benchmark tool review from not 2012, and it is a massive important thing for macro. He, he said that there's powerful deflationary forces at work, and there's powerful, um, uh, the term was, powerful forces holding down global rates. And they're coming up with ambitious review and looking at important evolution of the Fed's strategy and pursuing their goals. Buddy, they keep telling us the game plan that they're going to make it work. So my bet is they're going to follow through with it. They, they are coming up with tools that are going to get to full employment or 2% core inflation average come hell or high water, and they're going to come out with it soon. So I think They're not changing their strategy is- anytime soon, though. You're not, you're not suggesting the Fed's going to change its strategy, are you? Because, I mean, Powell just recently I think added- they're going to get more aggressive. I think they're going to get more aggressive in trying, and it's not necessarily just printing money and sending it out. I don't know what it is. That's the beauty of this thing is how many times, Scott, if we had people uh, that we're talking to say they're out of bullets, and every time something happens, there's a bigger bullet. 
that nobody saw coming. They keep telling us they're coming up with an ambitious strategy. So what we have is historic excess liquidity. We have a Fed that's doing infinity QE globally with fiscal plays globally. And we have an OEC based on the OECD indices and the market PMI indices. We have a global economy that is just beginning to pivot from historic weakness. To me, that I don't know what happens in the next month or two with, with value, small cap, blah, blah, blah. I can tell you that in 2021, if all of this doesn't equal growth, we got a much bigger problem in credit than what sectors weren't. But why would I rotate now away, away from big tech? It's, it's worked. All of, these, totally. uh, all of these steps forward in value have been two steps forward and then three steps back or two steps forward and then they sit down. Our game plan for the, the mega cap stocks, Scott, has been you don't bet against them. But as they what Surratt said, as they keep going up to, to the point where they're becoming an inappropriate part of your portfolio, you can scale it back. You don't have to underweight them or bet against them. You just, I, I personally, and it's been the wrong call to not, if you've been in those seven stocks that, my, that one of my mentors when early in my career, Ed Yardeni, talked about, that's really the only strategy you had to be in. So everything else is kind of punk. The, but ultimately, there's a point where that's going to transition and I don't know when that point is, but I think it's coming pretty soon. If you remember after that 60 Minutes interview, Scott, you had a two-week run in the banks at 30%. Nobody saw it coming. I called it the banks and tanks. Industrials up 20%. Small cap ripped. Emerging ripped. As soon as you get this perception that the global or acknowledgement of the fact, you know me, I'm a data guy. The data is showing that you're pivoting economic activity in a synchronized way globally with a never-before-seen level of excess liquidity. I don't want to bet against that. Yeah, but that could be a ways away. I mean, okay, we, we, well, what's a ways? Six months? Maybe. You know, and, yeah, and, maybe. And if I look, it could be, and, and I'll openly say that. But again, I think the forces are going to be so powerful. Look at it this way, Scott. Back in, in 2001, when oil was making its low and commodities were getting absolutely smoked after 9 11, and then you had the recession associated with it. Nobody wanted to buy commodities then, and then you went into a 10-year run. When the dollar is weaker, it's an economic, especially coming off of a seriously defensive move, it's an economic statement. It's a statement that the global economy, the Fed liquidity, uh, the, the Fed liquidity is working and the global economy is beginning to turn. Yeah, I got to leave it there, but I, I, do, I do have one more pressing question. Are you in a boat? <laughs> no, I tell you what, it's got the bright sun's got the right, my best side. No, I'm up in the Adirondacks, not Lake George where, where you've been uh, up in the place in the Adirondacks. <laughs> I'm just looking over your, over your head. It looks like you're on a boat. No others it's have suggested, a, well, are you asking if you're in a sauna? So we'll take you in your office. It's a log cabin. Come on, man. All right. A little nature. Right. Get it. Good talking to you, Tony. Be well. Take care. All right. That's Tony Dwyer. Our traders are, are making moves in this market. We're going to have their new trades plus Disney uh, missing estimates, but the stock is rallying on its uh, streaming numbers. We're going to debate that coming up. And a reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. We're back after this. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier. Because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. 
To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. Welcome back. Stocks broadly higher. Let's get to Sue Herrera with the headlines. Hi, Sue. Hello, Scott. Hello, everybody. Here's what's happening at this hour. Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden will not travel to Milwaukee to accept his party's nomination. Speakers scheduled for the convention will also participate remotely. Democratic organizers say the moves are being made to prevent spreading the coronavirus. Progressive Democrat Rashida Tlaib has easily won a challenge for her House seat in Michigan's primary. She is one of the four squad members and one of the first two Muslim women in Congress. And in Tucson, Arizona, an outbreak has infected nearly half of the inmates in a state prison. A total of 517 prisoners have tested positive. The Department of Corrections says that they have been isolated from other inmates and they are receiving appropriate medical care. You are up to date. That's the news update. Scott, back to you. Okay. Thank you, Sue. Appreciate that, Sue Herrera. All right, let's go through some of the moves that you guys have made. Surat, I start with you. You sold Masco, okay, but you bought Vulcan and Martin Marietta. You tell me about Masco, why you got out, and then you could tell me why you got into the other two names, please. Sure, uh, absolutely. So I still own Fortune Brands, uh, Lowe's, and Stanley uh, Black & Decker. I, I still am strong on the, on the building, home building uh, area. Masco was one of the four stocks. It's up 48%. I just wanted to cut back a little bit of my exposure since all these had run. In terms of Vulcan and Martin Marietta, uh, starter positions, trying to get invested in the infrastructure play. Uh, these guys have quarries. We think longer term we're going to be spending a lot more money building our roads, bridges, and they're also part of the housing. So I wanted to start uh, putting some money in that area as well. Got it. Joe, you bought a little square and the XLE. Yeah, I mentioned the other day that I would uh, buy some Square. Uh, obviously, very strong earnings. The usages of Cash App grew $6 million in the quarter, 350% on revenue. So a little bit of a small position in Square. And candidly, uh, that seems to be uh, the, the company most successful for Jack Dorsey and where he probably should be focusing most of his efforts because I think the opportunity longer term is going to be with that company. XLE, that's my way just to get some more exposure to energy. Um, as I've mentioned in the past couple of weeks, I do have Chevron. I have a couple of natural gas plays. But with the technical breakout in both natural gas and crude oil, I thought gaining exposure to XLE was the right move. You pointed out to me earlier this morning while I was on Squawk that, that Nat Gas and WTI are now above their 200-day moving averages for the first time in a while, right? Yeah, very, very unique circumstance. I, I don't think we could uh, look back. Uh, certainly in the past couple of months uh, or maybe even in the past year to see both of them, not just one of them above their 200-day moving average. So there's both the technical reasons, and I do believe there's a little bit of a fundamental reasoning behind it. Um, as it relates to natural gas, the Appalachian producers have been incredibly disciplined. You heard that on conference calls for CNX and EQT last week, and I think the supply-demand balance uh, will, will certainly uh, move in favor of uh, demand as we push towards 2021. And as it relates to the price of oil, I do think there's a little bit of an economic recovery outside the U.S. that in terms of the industrial capacity is seeing more usage of oil. All right. And Weiss, uh, you had some American Airlines puts. You sold them? I did. You know, it's a funny thing. I took my daughter to the airport and uh, to go back to London where she lives and works. And the place was empty. And uh, there were only 22 people on her flight. 
and I just don't feel right making money on the airlines or the restaurants where their fate is not in their hands. I think equity holders can get wiped out in American. I'm not positive and sure. I think get wiped out in all the airlines. Bondholders do okay, but I just don't want to be a vulture and profit from somebody else's is misery. Um, so that's why I sold those puts. I got gotcha. you. All right, Disney reporting its first quarterly loss since 2001. Shares though moving higher after seeing strong subscriber growth in Disney Plus. Okay, Surat. So tell me what to do now. This stock was a huge reversal. Okay was lower after the number, and now it's up more than 9%. Uh, Scott, I mean, the stock is still down off it, uh, you know, uh, from its peak. I I've owned this for a while. I bought it when it was much lower. I'm holding it. I've got a good position in it. I will add to it if it does sell off, but I'm not going to sell it at this point. I think, you know, the stock now is priced for things to get better. Uh, and if they do, I think you'll see that reflected in the numbers. But the streaming numbers are really strong. That's kind of what, one of the big pieces that I was betting on, the content. Uh, they're well aware of the issues in terms of amusement parks, in terms of all the other things that aren't working with them. You know, sports start coming back in some way with the, the NBA, ESPN. So I like it. It's a hold for me now. I'm not going to aggressively add to it. It was much cheaper when I, when I wanted it, global brand. So I would keep it if you owned it. Brenda, have we seen the trough in Disney? Is now the time to own this stock? I think, you know, if you're looking for a place from, you know, trimmings that you're taking on, on, the, on the tech side, this is the kind of name that we think is likely to continue benefiting here. You know, obviously the company is being severely impacted by COVID, uh, but we feel the management team is doing the right thing really making more moves on the direct-to-consumer side. They've been smart about driving subscribers to Disney Plus by offering a lot of content that people really want to see, and they're willing to pay for it, you know, like Hamilton. Uh, so we feel that the management team is doing the right thing. They're likely to come out on the other side in a stronger position uh, because of the move uh, towards more of the streaming business and direct-to-consumer. So this is a name that we continue to like here. All right. Let's get to Rahel Solomon now has three bullish calls for us all on the street today. Hi, Rahel. Hi, Scott. So Jeffries is initiating coverage of Brinker International with a buy rating. Price target here is $34. So they see improved execution of the Chili's brand, and they think that the worst is behind them in terms of sales. You can see the stock is up about half a percent. So analysts also think that with tens of thousands of restaurants expected to close permanently, well, they think that Brinker could benefit by way of opportunities to relocate to better locations with less expensive rents. That stock is down about 33% year-to-date. It's been a tough year for the stock. Uh, Palo Alto Networks also getting upgraded to buy from neutral at BTIG. Target here is $313. Analysts see improving sales execution on the core firewall side of the business. They also think that demand is relatively stable moving forward. They also like the $200 million in deals with the U.S. government that the company made for their July quarter. Scott, analysts are pretty sold on the company. No sell ratings here. And finally, Emerson Electric getting an upgrade at Cowan to outperform from market perform. Price target here is $70. That's after beating earnings estimates yesterday on margin expansion. Cowan citing that the demand headwinds are already known and priced in, and it has a high dividend yields. And finally, Scott, take a look at shares of Monster. They hit new all-time highs earlier today. 
So that level was 83.96. You can see it's off of those highs. It's trading closer to $82 right now. But this is after also topping earnings expectations. They also provided some guidance on COVID that investors seem to like. Uh, they essentially said that they don't expect any shortages in the supply chain. They also don't think that the pandemic will impact its liquidity. And Scott, even though it's trading off of those highs slightly, despite that pullback, it's still one of the best performing stocks in the S&P right now. Gotcha. Rahel, thank you. Joe, you own Monster Bevan. I, I, you did used to own Palo Alto, right? I used to own Palo Alto, which is clearly breaking out. Um, and and I, I have to tell you, in both cases, Monster Beverage and Palo Alto, I see both these companies as potential acquisition targets. Um, clearly, in the case of Monster Beverage, Rodney Sachs has done an absolutely fantastic job managing the business through the pandemic. This is a company with a market cap somewhere around $45 billion, a little bit rich on the PE as it pushes towards 40 but certainly the business model is a model that has been working over the last couple of years. They're showing the growth. Investors want a premium for growth. And both of these companies clearly would be a strong acquisition target in their selected industries. All right. Coming up next, the healthcare merger. Teladoc and Livongo joining forces. It's an $18 billion deal. Our Josh Brown was hot on Teladoc for a while. He weighs in on that deal next. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. We're back on the Halftime Report. Take a look at those two stocks there, Teladoc and Livongo. They're merging in an $18.5 billion cash and stock deal. Shares of both companies taking a hit following that news quite substantially, too. Teladoc's down nearly 14%. Look at the run-up, though. Both of the stocks have had. Teladoc up 150% this year. Livongo more than 400%. Josh Brown joins us now on the CNBC Newsline because you may recall he's talked about Teladoc on multiple occasions. Do you, do you own Teladoc still, Josh, or had you gotten out? And what do you make of this deal? Yeah, I, this is one of the stocks that I sold too early. I had bought it in the 70s prior to the pandemic. I sold it up $100 a share at like 170 and I, and I thought I was a genius. I guess not. Um, but I love the deal. Every, everything that uh, we've been talking about with Teladoc and telehealth and virtual doctor appointments and clinic visits, everything we've been saying um, is exemplified by what will happen when these two companies get together. 
They'll be doing a billion in revenues on a pro forma basis. Um, they'll probably be doing over $100 million in, in, uh, in cash flow. And ultimately, this business is going to require scale because you know the insurance companies are coming in. You know the hospital systems are coming in. So um, I, I think it's, it's smart. They, both companies have an inflated currency anyway. Might as well do something productive with it. And I like the fact that they're going to be joining forces. You're going to have members of both companies serving on the board and serving in the C-suite. So I think it's a home run for both companies. And if it gets closer to 200 or even under uh, Teladoc, I might get I might get back in. The founding members of Kramer's COVID index, of course. Do you think it's the beginning of any kind of trend where we do see some consolidation in the areas that have capitalized, if you will, on this pandemic? You know what? That's a really great question. I've been thinking about that with the, the electric car makers. There are going to be seven of them public by the end of this year, most of them having come public through SPACs. I think because, because of the industry dynamics, you'll see some consolidation there. Um, and then I think it would be interesting to see whether or not we have room for all of these standalone software-as-a-service companies that have done so well in the pandemic. It's likely that they'll find it's easier to compete with the sales forces and the Microsofts of the world if they scale up and get bigger and get more horizontal. So right now you, you probably have 100 different SaaS names that are all, in my opinion, ripe for some version of either M&A or, or whatever. And I think that, that absolutely is a thing that could happen. All right, good stuff. Be well. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate it very much. That's Josh Brown, our very own. Our experts, speaking of, are ready to answer your questions next. You can still reach the traders at cnbc.com slash halftime. Tweet us as well. We're back in just two minutes. Welcome back. We're going to do your questions in just a second. And we mentioned the Rackspace uh, IPO, which had opened lower by about 20 percent a little while ago. There's another IPO today that's open for trade, Big Commerce Holdings, and it is a big time gain up right now, better than 200 percent, 240, 240 percent, 81 dollars, about 70 cents. I'm looking at uh, right now. So keep your eyes on that. Uh, we'll try and get you a chart on that, too. Let's do. There you go. Uh, that's one heck of a gain. 237 percent. All right. The traders are answering your questions now. First up, Joe, to you, Libby, Alabama. What does your panel think of the S&P Biotech ETF, the XBI? So I have uh, remained long the XBI. I'm going to maintain that position. Growing a little bit concerned about the holdings in the XBI. It's becoming very oriented towards uh, the COVID-19 potential vaccine makers, the Novavax, the Opcos, the Sorrentos. That's a little concerning. I wouldn't reach for it right here. Uh, but I'll maintain my position with a tight stop, probably underneath 105. All right, Steve Weiss, John, Illinois, Ag Agree Realty uh, is up. Is it a buy? I think it is. Look, they're collecting a lot of their rents. Uh, it's another way to play, frankly, the other side of COVID, and there will be a vaccine. I love it. I'm there. Phenomenal management who has not sold a share. Surat, Bill in New York, I purchased General Motors stock years ago. What would you do with it now? I'd keep it at these levels. It's discounting no growth and, in fact, negative growth. So I'd hold it. I think uh, coming out of this, the stock will do well. It's even the even Steve Weiss there. just recently bought it. So there, there's, that's all you need to know. If Weiss's opinion of General Motors has changed stock. and the automakers and then he added to it, you're, trust me, Bill. All right, that, Brenda Vangelo. That's the signal. Yeah. Brenda Vangelo from Marybelle in Connecticut. Time to invest in Hershey. Is it? 
This is an important quarter for Hershey because it's the quarter when they sell into the retail channel for Halloween. And management surprisingly gave guidance assuming that, that there would be no change to Halloween, that it would be similar to previous years. So we could see an, um, we could see a, a, a development where that doesn't really come to pass. So that could cause some volatility, certainly in the stock. So we would be a little more cautious on this name right here and now, round, even though we continue to think it's differentiated in the sector. Forgive me, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Brenda. For uh, round two now, Joe, uh, you start with with Ryan from Dallas, Walmart. Is it a buy? I think it is. Uh, pushing above 130 recently. Going to report earnings here in a couple of weeks. Again, I think it's one of the COVID-19 uh, acceleration trend winners. Um, I, I'm comfortable purchasing it here. Steve Weiss, Ernest in New York wants to know, will Snapchat or Facebook be a better investment over the next five years? To me, it's pretty clear that it'll be Facebook. I mean, the, the management, while you can say that Mark Zuckerberg's arrogant, he continues to find ways to innovate and bring more on. The ad boycott's been a bust from all reports. So clearly Facebook. I don't know if Snapchat will be around in five years. Surat, to you from Nathan in California. Qualcomm, what do you do? Buy? I'd buy it at these levels. I think yeah, they settled with Huawei. Uh, they've got 5G and management's very focused. It's one of our largest holdings and I like it. And Brenda from Scotton, Pennsylvania, is it time to buy BlackRock? BlackRock has had a phenomenal year this year because it's really one of the only companies within the asset management space that has grown assets and been able to maintain fees. But to the extent that we continue to see more fund flows coming their way, uh, both on the active and passive side, especially on the fixed income ETFs, I think it should continue to do well here. All right. Bonus question for you, Joe, comes from EasyChen326 on Twitter. Hi, Scott. This is a question that troubles me for a while. What are the numbers on Joe's wall? <laughs> Scott, you know the answer. I know to 29 that. is the number of That's stocks that you own, I think, right? Now, 29 is uh, Remy's hockey number, 87 is Tanner's hockey number, uh, and 42 is Tucker's baseball number. I got you. Okay. I thought there might be portfolio related, and so perhaps did, did our viewers. Thank you for answering that, Joe. Appreciate it. Gold price is hitting record highs. We'll find out how the futures traders are playing that rally. We'll do it straight ahead as gold trades above $2,000 an ounce. Back after this. Miss the show? Don't sweat it. The Halftime Report now has a podcast. Market-moving interviews, call of the day, unusual activity, and, of course, Ask Halftime. Look for us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app and subscribe to the Halftime Pod today. We're back. Time for the futures outlook right now. The medals keep on shining. Gold Hitting another fresh record high today. Silver also racking up big gains of more than 3% now. For more, let's bring in Brian Stutland of Equity Armor Investments. Anything going to stop this run? It's going to be tough. I mean, when you look at gold prices, basically middle of July, when there's talks of a second stimulus package, gold ripped from 1850 up to 2000 Now we think maybe the stimulus package is above a trillion dollars or at least sits at a trillion plus maybe some concessions to the Democrats. So then we saw gold take off above 2000 here. So I'm a buyer. I'd like to accumulate it. I'm long gold futures already, but I'm looking to buy it at the 2060 level, anywhere below that. We've seen it back off a little bit today. So there's an opportunity to buy a target up to 2090 um, and, and then a, or 2100, I'm sorry, and a stop down at 2030. If it gets stopped out down below 2030, I think you'll get some opportunity to, to re-add right around this 2000 level. So I think when you go into a crisis, look, 
and you don't have a plan to get out of it other than to print money and have the Fed just basically print money and then also have stimulus package, your currency is going to decline and the rush with interest rates at near zero is into gold. So I want to own a little bit of part of that in my portfolio. It doesn't need to be the whole portfolio, but I think it's, it's a place somewhere between 2 and 10% of one's uh, holdings. Gotcha. Appreciate it. Ryan Stutland joining us there. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do final trades next. On Wednesday, August 12th, join the CNBC Small Business Playbook Virtual Summit. It's all about providing small business owners with resources to survive today's crisis and provide a path forward to thrive tomorrow. Go to cnbcevents.com slash smallbusinessplaybook to register. All right, time now for final trades. Brenda, start us off. What do you like and why do you like it? Waste management. I think this is a uniquely positioned company. It's an essential service, but it's also really poised to participate in an economic recovery when volumes start to recover, and we've started to see that happening here. Okay. Steve Weiss? Moderna, they had a great call today, I thought. The stock's down because there's no government money yet for the vaccine. They already gave them $900 million. There will be, but they gave great news on a vaccine for CMV birth defects, which could be up to a $5 billion product for them. So I have a core position, but I bought more for a trading position as well. Wow, so you added to it again. I mean, this has been something you've been doing uh, fairly often. Brenda, quickly, because Weiss is talking about vaccine. You own, do you own J&J? We do own J&J. Yeah, the vaccine news from J&J, too. What did what, you think about it? So great news, although I'll say it's still early. They're still start, just starting their uh, uh, human trials. We should see more significant trials beginning in September. So we're likely to hear some news, be it good or bad, between then and now. But I'd say outside of the vaccine news, there's still a lot of great things happening at J&J, um, starting to see a recovery in overall um, rates of uh, procedures, and that's happening globally. So I think that's really going to be a positive for the All company right. here. All right, good stuff. Surat, what's your final trade? I uh, like Chevron. Uh, to Joe's point, I think uh, energy is going to catch a bid here when you see uh, all the indexes going up. And I think uh, this is a stock that you want to know as a core position in the energy sector. Okay. Joe, quickly, what do you have for me? John Deere, breaking out here. Ag equipment is right. at its oldest it's been in decades. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.